Hi there. How's your week been? For me, I'm just getting back into, I'm not going to say normality, but I went to Brighton and actually recorded two video podcasts. It's the first time in so long that I've interviewed someone for Beauty Me face to face. And I don't know what it is, but I actually got emotional in both of the interviews. I don't know if I'll share those bits with you. Uh, Hopefully I'll get my producer slash husband to edit them out. But yeah, I met two very inspiring women who both work for themselves in Brighton, but in two very different ways. So I can't wait to share those episodes with you. But today's episode is amazing, if I do say so myself. It's all down to the guest. Tiwa Ogunlesi is the founder of Confident and Killing It, and she's a confidence coach. Now, I think over the past few years, if you'd have told me I would have a confidence coach on the show, I probably would have been a bit like, "Mm, not sure, because for me, there's always been a very specific type of confidence coach out there, you know, always advertising on Facebook and being so, yeah, you know, you got this and, but not really seeming authentic. And Tiwa is the opposite of that. Tiwa is She has her own podcast, also called Confident and Killing It. And if you just listen to a few episodes, her voice is just so calming. She really makes you feel like you've got this. We talk about how she herself went from feeling self-doubt and comparing herself to others, including her own sister, to being someone that is very comfortable with telling those negative inner thoughts to back off. We talk about her daily routine, which involves meditation, sometimes dancing. We talk about struggles in life. T was very open. She says, you know, when she has her coaching sessions, she doesn't sit there with a full glam, full wig and face of makeup. Sometimes she lets her clients see her in her head wrap with no makeup because, you know, as she rightfully says, no one is glammed up 24-7. We also talk about Tiwa growing up in Nigeria and then moving to England at the age of 14. And for me, that was the most insightful part of the conversation because for me, when I see Nigerian women, I always think glamour, like to the max. And I thought that perhaps that was part of the culture back home. But Tiwa tells me it's actually quite different in Nigeria um, for young girls growing up. It's all about sort of hiding their femininity. And if you have a listen, you'll work out why. I think it's a great listen. I really hope you enjoyed this one. Please do let me know on Instagram if you're listening. Let Tiwa know if you're listening. Send me a DM. Please do like and subscribe. Everything, you know, every review counts. I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy this one. Welcome to the Beauty Me podcast. My name's Sharice Kenyon and I've been writing about beauty for around 15 years. During that time, I've heard so many stories about how we approach beauty, our routines and the traditions that make us who we are. I wanted to create a space where I could discuss these rituals further with people from around the world. For me, it's all about beauty without the BS. My bad habit, which I'm letting go of, is jumping straight on Instagram when I wake up because I'm just like, let me just see if anything crazy has happened overnight just so I can prepare myself for the day. But I'm moving away from that because I've noticed that every time I wake up and the first thing I do is go on Instagram, I get really bad headaches. 
So um, what I've been doing lately is a 10-minute meditation in bed. So either a meditation on purpose or on clarity, um, just like a guided meditation. So I just sit and be still. Um, And I'm finding it really, really helps because I went through like a phase of just like, I just felt like, I wasn't being productive. I just, I wasn't myself. And so I was like, I really need to reconnect. So meditations, and then I do a bit of prayer. I read my Bible because that's key. And then um, I will get ready to do some exercise. So I, I never used to work out at home. I was definitely always like going to classes and things like that. But beauty of lockdown, you know, just have to make it like, make the most out of the situation so um i'll do like an ig live workout or a youtube workout um and then yeah once i'm all exercised then i have like my little smoothie and then yeah i'm ready to start the day i think one of the really good things about being an entrepreneur and running my own business is i can get up when i want and i can like I run my day, you know, whereas before I had to be at a desk at 9am and it's like, okay, what if I don't want to be at a desk at 9am and I want to start at 12 and that's fine, (laughs) Um, you know? (laughs) Have you got a pretty set routine then, would you say? Because I think a lot of people assume when you do work for yourself, they take that to the extreme, like, oh, well, you probably, you know, like roll out of bed at 12 every day and you probably don't have a schedule, but have you found... Have you always had a routine or did you just get your routine together through lockdown? I just got my routine in lockdown uh, because before I just kind of used to wake up and be like, oh, what do I feel like doing today? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that was also at the beginning of my business where I didn't have that many meetings and I didn't have that many clients and things like that. So um, now when it's like I had to organize like I had to sit with myself and organize my diary because I'm coaching 20 women right now and yeah when I wasn't managing my diary I was getting three coaching sessions back to back like it was just a whole mess um and it was getting a bit overwhelming so I literally had to sit down and block out like 9 to 11 is tiwa time so that's when I'm exercising that's when I'm just like meditating and having my own time have my shower and so my coaching sessions don't start till 1 30 um and they they'll be like 1 30 till 3 and then they'll start again from like 6 to 8 so mm-hmm. I've had to, because I'm managing so much, I've had to get into a schedule where I have my coaching sessions in the afternoon and in the evening. And then I kind of slot all my other bits, Tiwa time in the morning and then other bits slotted throughout the day. I love that Tiwa time. Yeah, <laughs> I actually like book it in my diary. Like it's there Tiwa time in my diary because I think if something is important to you, it deserves to be um, in your schedule just as much as anything else. So where do you stand on the whole self-care side of things? Because a lot of people would call that me time. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you someone that do you schedule that or is it part of your everyday? It's part of my everyday. So that morning block, I would say, is like my self-care time where I just like to take things a little bit slow. Also, it depends on like my week and what I have planned. Like some days it's like get out of bed straight to emails and I have to be there till like 3 p.m. And and then I don't move and I realize I've been sat down the whole day. So you just kind of have to have your foundation, but then know sometimes it's going to go up and sometimes it's going to go down. So I keep Saturdays like 
absolutely free, just like completely to myself. Um, no coaching sessions, nothing. Um, and yeah, I love my Tiwa time, like uh, dancing, my bubble baths, um, okay. cooking, just like taking things slow. That's yeah. I think we've all learned that it's, it's okay to slow everything down. I think when lockdown first started, it was yeah. like, well, where are you going anyway? Like, just relax. <laughs> But tell me about where your skincare comes into that. Um, always, like, how does that slot into your morning? Or has lockdown affected that as well? Are you finding you don't bother with skincare until you have to face someone, perhaps through your coaching? Or is it part of your morning routine? Oh, my gosh. No, I, I definitely bother with it. Like, skin is really, really important to me. So in the morning, uh, so before I do a workout, I definitely cleanse. So I mm -hmm. use um, Pericone's, like, hydration um, cleanser. It's like a micellar cleanser. Okay. So I use that uh, on a cotton pad. And then after I exercise, I'll wash my face properly in the shower. Mm -hmm. um, so I do that. And then I, I've been... Are using hyaluronic acid for um as a serum for hydration because I binge on YouTube and Instagram skincare videos. <laughs> Me too. Um, and that's what they said to use for hydration because I have oily skin and I thought oily skin also meant that it was like I didn't know there was a difference between oily and hydrated. And mm. I thought, oh, if your skin is oily, then you it can't to get be dry. rid of the oil. Yeah, but actually, yeah, but it yeah. Exactly. But actually, you can have dehydrated skin that is also oily. So when I learned out about that, I was like, oh, my gosh, like my skin isn't hydrated at all because I wasn't using any serums. I wasn't even moisturizing because I was like, oh, it's too much oil. But actually, it's not about that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so yeah, I do some hydration in the morning. Um, SPF, of course, as always. Um, and yeah, I keep it really simple. I don't really wear makeup in the day unless I'm doing something that's like really big and needs me to put on makeup. Mm. But even with my coaching sessions, I just keep it simple because I'm just being me. Right. And if I'm always like all done up to every yeah. single coaching session, like it, I, it just doesn't feel authentic to me because, you know, sometimes I've got my head wrap on sometimes like I'm in my glasses, like, you know, it's, mm -hmm. just, it's part of me. Yeah. And I think, um, like with everything that's been happening with like Black Lives Matter and all these conversations about how black women always have to censor themselves in the workplace, you know, like you have to straighten your hair before a meeting and or an interview or, you know, you can't switch your wig up at like from one week to the other because everyone in the office would be like, oh, I didn't recognize <laughs> Who are you. It's like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> I remember when I worked full time, I would only change my wig like if I was going away for a period of time. So if I was going away on holiday, like, like, you could come you know, back with a new look. Yeah, so like it would be like they haven't seen me for a week. So it's not like they saw me last night with long hair and now I'm with short hair. And it's sad that we have to censor ourselves like that. And so I've kind of made it an effort not to censor myself when it comes to mm. my coaching sessions mm. and going on Instagram. Like whatever mood I'm in, I'm in. That's what you get. I think your clients would appreciate that because there's already enough pressures on us without having to deal with like a supermodel for a coach every day, you know, like looking like Naomi Campbell, perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate your real moments yeah. because mm -hmm. everyone, you know, I've seen your, you did a recent post on Instagram when you were like so glammed up. Was it like a yellow yeah. dress? And it's like, yeah, 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 you can do both, you know? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's part of being authentic because no one is glammed up every single moment of every single day. So why should I only present that version of myself to the world? Like on my highlights, on my stories, like I have a struggles highlight where I just talk about all the things I'm struggling with. A lot of those videos, I'm in my PJs in bed, like, you know, and I think it's important to show two sides because that is what being human is about being human isn't just a straight road where everyone's got everything together it's a roller coaster and so I share when I'm up I share when I'm down and I think that's why a lot of people relate to me and my content because it's authentic so let's talk about growing up so where were you born um in Nigeria and when did you come to the UK then um so I'm actually three quarters Nigerian and a quarter Scottish um, okay so yeah so my grandma even though I've never actually been to Scotland but oh, you my should grandma... go you might have a have you got a tartan have you looked into whether you've got your own tartan <laughs> no I, I have like I know nothing about my Scottish <laughs> background because my grandma moved out of Scotland when she was in her 20s and she never really went back so she grew up in Nigeria um and was very much Nigerian so yeah we didn't really talk about Scotland and things like that but I should I should find out yeah um so I was born in Nigeria and I came to England when I was 14 um and I was in boarding school uh till yeah A levels then I went to university in London so yeah so what was the biggest kind of like difference that you notice perhaps in the grooming levels of being back in Nigeria and moving to the UK? Oh my gosh. When I moved to boarding school in England, I was shook. Like that in Nigeria, like teenagers would never think of waxing their legs. Like it just, it wasn't anything that ever crossed my mind. The most I did this is a really funny story. Um, so I had, I have really thick eyebrows. Yeah, they're amazing. Thank you, but I didn't think that before. <laughs> so growing up, like my mom didn't allow me to tweeze um, or thread my eyebrows because she had thick eyebrows and people made fun of her and she tweezed them all off and they never really grew oh, back. Wow. So she was like militant over protecting my eyebrows. And <laughs> Protect so them at all costs. <laughs> Literally, and so I would go into I so in year seven, people would laugh at me like, "Oh, you got a monobrow, you got a monobrow," and I was getting so angry about this monobrow that I had. <laughs> so I took my mom's shaving stick. Okay, God, why the why why the razor? <laughs> why so? Because that's, that's all I saw. That was the only thing I right. saw. Because I would see her shave her legs in the shower. Right. So I was like, "Oh, hair removal needs okay. a razor." So I took my mom's razor and I went, bam, down the middle <laughs> of my face, my eyebrows. Yeah. Okay. And then I shaved like half of this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay, you go back to school with that? What happens then? <laughs> I, don't, I, I kind of blocked that time out of my memory. So I just know that when my mom came out home from work that night, I was like, hi, mommy. <laughs> Like, how are you? And she's like, what have you done? But they've kind of grown back, kind of. Um, yeah, they look it. So it's fine, yeah. Um, but that was the most I had ever done in terms of beauty, okay? So I get to England, and now I'm in year nine, and I'm seeing girls, like, waxing their legs on the weekends, like, epilators. Um, I'm seeing, like, make like full-on makeup bags. I didn't own a single piece of makeup. 
in Nigeria. Mm. And then I'm in year nine. So at this point, I'm like 14 um, in year nine. And then I'm seeing full makeup bags. Um, I'm seeing like everything, like everyone is doing the most. And I called my dad. I'm like, oh my gosh, like dad, like these girls are crazy. Like they're waxing their legs. Like this is insane, you know? And I wasn't allowed to thread my eyebrows till I was 16, like till I was in year 11. Mm -hmm. My mom said, no, that was my 16 year old birthday present to get my eyebrows threaded, you know? So in Nigeria, the beauty standards were very different to coming into the UK. So all of a sudden, when I came to boarding school, it was like, I was weird for not having a makeup bag, mm. you know? Like, mm. I was weird for never having waxed my legs. Not that I was weird, but it was weird that I didn't have a makeup yeah, bag. Yeah, like, yeah. Of course, I had friends who loved me and things like that. But it was just like, I, I was like one of the only ones who didn't have all of these things or who didn't do all of these things. Mm. And I, I thought they were weird for doing that, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, the beauty standards were very, very different from Nigeria and then coming to London. So would you say that in Nigeria, it it was more of a natural approach? Like girls weren't pressured to start doing stuff to themselves until they were like, what, late teens or adulthood? Yeah. Like, What was it like there? Yeah, I think um, I think it was definitely more of a natural approach. Like it wasn't like we it wasn't something we ever thought of. Like the most thing we had was like lip gloss. Like yeah, that was yeah. our thing. Like we loved lip gloss, um, but we never saw the need to have all of the like you know the legs shaved and the hair removal and the eyebrows done and lashes and like all of these things. And I think that like society has changed a lot now. Mm. You know, 13-year-old girls, if you don't know how to put lashes on, like, they're like, what? You know, 13-year-old girls have lashes now, and it's crazy. Um, Whereas, yeah, when we were growing up in Nigeria, it was definitely a more kind of natural, just-as-you-are approach with a bit of lip gloss, and it was fine. And I think it has a lot to do with the media. Okay. Because, yeah, we watched MTV and, and all the music channels and things like that, but buying magazines and spending our time looking through magazines wasn't really a thing that was part of our culture. So whereas here, like, you know, young girls are obsessing over the images that they see in magazines and how beauty is portrayed Mm -hmm. to them and things like that. We were just kind of like always taught to love our bodies and just love who we are and, and, and love ourselves just the way we are. And there wasn't any kind of like big contrasting image that made me feel like I wasn't good enough until I moved to the UK. Mm. I love that, but it, it's so weird. It's like my my presumptions is like, I'm so used to seeing some seriously glam Nigerian, like there's a few girls mm. that I follow on Instagram. It's They seem so glamorous, like to a T. So I guess I thought, maybe that started when they were young maybe that was a Nigerian thing to be like full-on glam but are you saying it's more of a western effect yeah I think so I think because even when I remember when we were younger um, even when it was time to go for weddings we like yes we usually we did our own makeup but I think as Instagram culture um, became more of a thing now everyone gets their makeup professionally done before they go to a wedding like and we never used to do that like 10 years ago that was not a thing you did your own makeup you went to places um but I think the more 
social media became a thing and then American beauty bloggers because like Nigerian culture is really similar to American culture Um, so yeah when Instagram culture beauty culture really became like super accessible I think that's when things just took off so now Nigeria is very like oh my gosh my glam my this my that and it's like more basically yeah but before like when I was growing up that really wasn't the case Growing up in Nigeria, it just seems like a healthier environment to grow up in as a as a girl. Like, would you agree on that? Or were there other things that you probably had to deal with? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't want to go into like sexual assault and all of those mm. things. But being a girl in Nigeria, like Nigeria is one of the most dangerous places for women and girls um, in the world. So, right. yeah, in terms of we were allowed to like, love ourselves for who we are but in terms of how safe we were in society and what society did to protect us not not the best in that right. area it almost sounds then like the mums knew what they were doing with keeping you as young and natural for as long as possible um, yeah because there it, it's definitely a very predatory environment um, and there's the, in some cultures, they do crazy things to make women look less attractive. So men don't do something like I saw they, they wrapped girls in like tapes so that their boobs wouldn't develop, um, crazy mm-hmm. things like that. And it's just like, they shave girls' hair. So a lot of girls in Nigeria will have low, um, haircuts, okay. uh, because if they have hair, People think they're older and then they attract older men and, you know, men can't control themselves. So men need to get their acts together. They can, literally. But that is is Nigerian culture. It's so dangerous. Um, You can still, in parts of northern Nigeria, 12-year-olds can get married to 60-year-old men, you know? so Yeah, that is a whole other episode. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, But I, I was protected because of my privilege but if you think about the average Nigerian girl who's growing up from a low economic background like yeah it is it is a jungle out there for sure men have got to get their acts together like seriously it's the the fact of a young girl having to have like her breast bound and hair hidden (laughs) just to stop you from acting on a impulse like come on that narrative just blows my mind like mm. oh but men can't help themselves men have urges it's, and it's like it's insulting to men as well <laughs> it's just you know okay yeah. so you get to the uk you don't have a makeup bag when is the moment when you're like i'm getting a makeup bag i'm gonna start playing uh, <laughs> literally like three months in like the first kind of social so I was in an all-girls school and we would have socials with all-boys schools okay um yeah so they would come over on a Saturday evening and we would have socials of just like talking to boys and kind of dancing and things like that so when everyone was like getting their makeup done because like the boys are coming I'm like Oh shit, I have no makeup. So definitely went into town. I think I got some eyeliner, some blush, which must have looked terrible because it was like <laughs> what blush color? for white people. <laughs> what like colour was it? Pink blush. Oh, so was it like, like really sheer and silvery or yeah. something? 
Yeah. I was just like, oh gosh, I knew nothing about makeup. Like all my eyeshadow palettes just like did not suit my skin tone at all. I think it wasn't until I got to university that I understood like the tones and the browns and like what kind of highlighter looks good on dark skin and things like that. But in the beginning, I was just like, I went to Boots. I just grabbed what I saw. I knew about eyeliner, mascara, and some blush. I didn't venture into foundation just yet because I didn't really have any skin issues. Um, and yeah, and that was my makeup bag. And, <laughs> yeah, it was well. But I still wasn't allowed to wear makeup. So oh. I, I would wear makeup while I was in boarding school. But when I went home to Nigeria for the summer or for Christmas, I, my mom didn't know I had a makeup bag. Right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So many lives to like juggle. Literally. So we would all go to parties and on the way back home in the car, we had makeup remover. So, so we would remove all our makeup before we got home. Oh, I love yeah. it. It's so, the beauty of Nigerian parents. <laughs> so tell me about hair because I'm sure you won't mind me sharing that when we, when I first called you for this call, you were like, head wrap, <laughs> no makeup. And then somehow you just... Pull this wig and the makeup out of the bag in 10 minutes. Like, when did hair become something that you wanted to kind of play with? Because obviously, if you weren't allowed makeup, I'm wondering if perhaps you could experiment with hair. Mm-hmm. So braids was a big thing. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of my childhood was experimenting with braids and different hairstyles and having beads, mm-hmm. uh, which was so cool, like different colored beads for your moods and things like that. Um, and then like also like trying like blowouts. I remember this one time. So my mom is half Scottish, half Nigerian. So her, her hair is quite like thin. Fine. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So she can do like the round brush, like blowouts. And it's like, she's got this massive like bob, which like natural, like 4 hair doesn't usually do mm-hmm. unless it goes through like a, like a silk wrap or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, and I remember this one time we were like, we want hair like mommy's hair. We want hair like mommy's Aww. hair. And you know, those in the days where they had the rollers yeah. and then, yeah. So they would do the rollers and then put the little <laughs> pins in them yeah. and you would have to sit under the dryer. Oh God. And your scalp would be like, ah. died. Our ears were so hot. (laughs) Like, you just sit there under heat for a whole hour. Like, I hate dryers so much. They just scar me. So, yeah, yeah, we experimented with loads of different things. Braids, like hair, bobby pins. Just, like, we would sit for, like, 10 hours to get braids done. Like, insane. Now people do braids a lot more quicker. But back Mm. in the day, like, Mm. I didn't know what it was. Maybe it was the technique. They, like, innovated or something. But yeah, sit for 10 hours doing braids. Well, there was, maybe then, there was less rush back then. These days, it's like, you got to get those clients in. So yes, they've yes, adapted. I think all the ladies at the hairdressers, they would just talk and talk and talk. Oh, I remember like, steam <laughs> and like, like having to pop out for lunch because you'd already yeah, been there three hours and you knew you had yeah. at least another three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And then, so was braids till I was about 16 and so when I got into year 11 started doing uh weaves with a bit of leave out at the top absolutely ruined my hair because I was straightening my hair all the time to fit with the with the straight like hair extensions and the weaves um and so I went through this period where I 
Why like, don't people pictures. ever have pictures? People always say to me, I wish I had pictures. I'm like, I wish you had pictures. No, no, I have them, but yeah. I, I can't show you them right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went through a phase where it was like, it was like a little spike kind of thing going on at the top. So hang on. Like... Hang on. Oh, so do you mean the bits that you would leave out? Yeah. They were like yeah. this, like pointing well, up. Not necessarily like that. They were longer. So it wasn't just like a spike on the top. It was like a spike that kind of went out a little right. bit. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that would sit on <laughs> so top of like the weave, kind of. It was kind of like a fringe that, like, was just, yeah, I don't know. I'll try and see if I can send you. It's on my Instagram, actually. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's on my story. So maybe we can find a way to put it in. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I went through that. And then uh, I went natural. Is I, I had relaxed hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did all sorts of things. Even, like, Brazilian keratin treatments. Yeah, me that too. That was like the next craze you know, to get silky hair, like everything about getting your natural hair as silky as straight as possible. Mm -hmm. Burnt my scalp because the lady actually had no idea what she was doing. Um, And literally, like, I was in the shower and, like, I could see pieces of skin. Like, it was insane. Yeah, insane. Um, My hair's all fine now. Mm -hmm. So I went natural in, hang on, like five years ago. Okay. Yeah, so I went natural five years ago, so just completely stopped relaxing, did the whole big chop, um, and yeah, I've been natural ever since, because like, wig life became a thing. Yeah. I remember when I first had a wig with a closure, and when my boyfriend saw me, he was so confused, he was like, wait, what? what? How? Is that you? Like, yeah. Where's your hair? Like, you know? But yeah, so the first time I ever got a weave with a closure was when I went to America because that was the thing there. So I was in um, Miami and we wanted to get our hair done by an American hairdresser. <laughs> um, and so she did a weave with a closure for us and then kind of like wig life just evolved from there. Okay. Um, so yeah. what's your natural hair like now? And do you ever wear um, it out? Yeah, I do. I do. Not as often <laughs> as I probably should. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's it's like it's really full like i have a full head of hair it's thick it's full very soft so actually it's it's a really good like afro Mm -hmm. texture Mm -hmm. but you know sometimes like just the aesthetic you want like natural head like you know that's why we have wigs because it's like versatile i love that you can do whatever you want It's, it's your head you know exactly so sometimes i feel like my hair needs to match like go with my outfits and sometimes my natural hair doesn't really go with my outfits yeah 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 i understand like yeah (laughs) it's the aesthetic i get it i get it so all through our conversation you seem to you know i've met with you online before i haven't met you face to face yet but i've done a couple of your seminars i've seen you take part in other people's lives and you have this amazing energy um and i believe it I do think there's a lot of confidence coaches out there or other kinds of coaches that I just I just think Ugh, there's something off. A lot of the time yeah. people don't seem so natural. Mm-hmm. You seem so natural and you seem to really care about people. Oh, thank you. And you just seem like you're pretty solid in your like self-belief. But I wanted to know before you started helping others, how did you get to that point? Like what was it for you? How did you get to being the TY that you are now? Mm, um, 
a really, really good question. So I actually struggled with a lot of self-doubt throughout my teenage years. So when I explained to you, like trying to fit into the beauty standards and like I've got thighs, you know, like I used to do loads of sports when I was in primary school. So naturally I'm like, I'm a fit girl, you know, Mm -hmm. like I've got thighs, I've got muscle. And so coming to England where everyone was like stick thin, thin legs, tall that was the look that was not the look in Nigeria and so I didn't fit that tall skinny look and so it made me feel really insecure so throughout my teenage years I really battled with not feeling good enough not feeling skinny enough and it kind of seeped into all the different areas in my life um so it wasn't until I was in university that I came across like this new way of thinking like a growth mindset because I used to think oh when I'm 25 I'll be grown I'll be making money you know like I thought growth came with age it doesn't right. no it doesn't growth. <laughs> <laughs> growth does not come there's a lot age. of grown people out there that are not grown <laughs> You know, there are a lot of grown people out there who are not grown. And so I was reading this book, um, 15 Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. And he he was the one in that book who taught me about growth being intentional and how you can't just wake up one day and be the CEO of a multinational company. Like, what are you doing right now to get to the person you want to be in the future? And I had never ever thought of that I just thought oh yeah you know you go to uni you get a degree you work you know and one day you'll wake up and you'll have it all and that is not what life is about at all and that's the same thing with confidence confidence is like a fitness journey you don't just wake up one day and be like yes I'm confident I'm killing it this is me flawless like no what are you doing every single day to work on your confidence and so when I realized that my mind is a battlefield of conflicting forces and my positive thoughts and negative thoughts are always going to be fighting for my attention but I have the power of choice to decide what I want to believe in I was like hang on I want to win in life I'm very Hmm. competitive okay I was like I want to win what do I have to do to win and what you have to do to win in life is to program your mind is to make sure that your thoughts empower you rather than sabotage you. Because a lot of my life, my thoughts were sabotaging me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to reprogram my mind so that I would have a mind that says, yes, T, go for it. You've got this. Put yourself out there. Start that business. Rather than, oh, your skin is not clear enough to be on Instagram. Or, oh, you're not skinny enough. That's why people don't like this picture. No one just goes to a battle and it's like, let's fight. I'm ready. Like, no, you need a strategy to win. Winning doesn't just happen. And so I was like, okay, if I'm in a battle, I want to win. What do I need to do to make sure that I'm the boss babe woman of my dreams, that I had visions of what I wanted? So I just started putting in the work. That is it. My whole life, I have put in the work. Yes, some things have come easy, but this confidence here right now, it is pure work. I write out my strengths. I meditate on my strengths. I will write out my strengths multiple, multiple times. I spend time thinking about things that I'm good at. I'm intentional about choosing to be in environments that lift me up rather than environments that pull me down. So when I got my first job after university and I realized it wasn't aligned to my strengths or my interests, I started my plan to to leave. But a lot of people get comfortable in situations, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of people hate their jobs but they're too afraid 
for what's out there. And so they'll rather stay stuck in a situation that isn't helping them than to bet on themselves, take a risk and to try something else. So I bet on myself all the time. If I feel like something isn't right, I bet on myself. I'm like, okay, we need to figure this out. I prioritize understanding what's important to me and doing those things. That's how you build confidence. If you know what's important to you, if you know what you love, what are your values? What are your strengths? Because Confident and Killing It is literally based on my strengths and my interests put together. I know I'm good at communicating. I know I've got empathy. I know I have emotional intelligence. And what do I love? I love seeing women win in life. I love it. I love seeing women taking action on their dreams and doing things to empower them. Mix those things together and you literally get confident and killing it. So people need to understand like to be confident you've got to know who you are inside you've got to know what sets your heart on fire what you love doing what are your strengths and how can you bring those things together so that becomes your life so every single day you're living from a place of you're doing what matters to you rather than being stuck in a job you hate because if you're stuck doing things you hate it's going to knock your confidence oh, definitely so yeah obviously you've got all the advice for the people that you meet today but do you think if you were able, what would be the advice that you could give to like your much younger self back in Nigeria? Do you think there's anything you could have said that you would have appreciated? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, I would, because when I was, so I've shared this on my podcast. I have a younger sister who's only 11 months younger than me and she is six foot and yeah, and super skinny. Uh, well, not super skinny, like she's skinny, but she has um, one of those tummies that are always flat. There's just like washboard stomachs where yeah. she could eat anything she wants. No bloat. Her the same. No bloating, nothing. And I, on the other hand, like I'm 5'5", five, five, so I'm a lot shorter. Um, and I had to, I noticed my weight gain mm. when I ate certain things. Mm. And so I started policing myself um, and really beginning to resent my sister that she could just eat whatever she wanted and I had to be miserable on all these different diets and, and juices and things like that. So I disqualified myself from a lot of things because I thought my body wasn't good enough or I thought I wasn't pretty enough. Mm -hmm. um, so what I would say to my younger self is that there is more to you than what you look like. Mm. because when I was a teenager, I thought my whole existence was about my body and my face. And it wasn't until I really woke up to my purpose that I understood that the message in me is so much greater than what I look like. And so my worth doesn't depend on my appearance. Mm -hmm. Like my worth is my worth. I will always matter. I will always be good enough, regardless of what I look like um, or how clear my skin is or isn't. Um, so yeah so that's like what I would go back to say to my teenage self and I think so many young girls struggle with this when you're a teenager mm -hmm. what you look like is the center of everything um, and that's why I really love like organizations like Dove who do a lot of body positivity and they actually go into schools to run workshops to show young girls the amount of airbrushing and editing that goes on mm -hmm. behind the scenes that we just see on Instagram and we think oh it's just a selfie but really, is it just a selfie? Um, so, yeah, I would tell myself to know that there's more to me than what I look like, that I have a purpose and that I have a beautiful message that deserves to be shared with the world. And I shouldn't let how I look hold me back.
I love that. And it kind of hits upon um, the first quote of yours that like literally nearly made me cry that first time I did a webinar with you. And since I've told other people, it's like it definitely strikes a nerve if they think about it for for too long was um you matter simply because you exist. Yeah. It's like a lot. It's like, okay, you're accepted. Like you you're already here. You already are a mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's not going anywhere. No one can take mm-hmm. that from you. So it's kind of like whatever you do from there, don't worry, because you, you already matter. And I just think Yeah. That's so amazing. And I think anyone, any age could appreciate that and perhaps change yeah, things for sure it's such a game changer because once you know that like you've already won like you already matter like the fact that you're here on this planet means something then all the other things society makes us feel like we need to be important like we realize it's such a scam because the fact that i'm breathing already means i am important um so yeah I'm glad you love it. I love it too. Okay, so it's the last question. It's the question. It's the one question that I ask religiously to every person. And that is, when do you feel you're most beautiful? Oh, gosh. Somebody else asked me this question and I really struggled to answer. When do I feel my most beautiful? Mm, Okay. I would say to be fair, being totally honest, I feel my most beautiful when my face is done, my hair is slicked back. Like I just love the whole like slick back look. Like when I have a gel and a ponytail and it's just like there's just like natural vibes and then slicked hair, that's when I feel really beautiful. Um, but I also make myself feel beautiful when I wake up and look in the mirror. Okay. How'd you do that? Uh, Tell me. <laughs> by saying I love you to myself. So I, cause I have a uh, polycystic ovaries and so, um, I have like loads of hormonal acne and different hormonal issues. So skin has been another thing that I struggled with. And so, I had to teach myself to love myself. And so every day when I would wake up, I would look at myself in the mirror, literally look into my eyes and say, Tiwa, I love you. And I would smile because my negative thoughts want me to look in the mirror and be like, oh, you're so ugly. I hate this. And da, da, da. So I had to like every time when I, even when I didn't feel like it, I would literally just look at myself in the mirror and be like, Tiwa, I love you. And that is the only reason I can do Zoom calls and even sometimes Instagram lives without any makeup on. Wow. Because as long as I love myself, I don't care what anyone else thinks about my skin. If my spots offend them, that's their problem, not mine. Um, you know, and sometimes I will be on Zoom calls and my negative thoughts will come in and be like, you really should have put makeup on today. Like, how can you be on a Zoom call like this? Literally, I get that every single day. 
every single day my negative thoughts will come in and be like, oh, look how you're scarring on your chin. Like, you should have really done something to cover that up. Like, my mind can get so toxic. So mm. just because I'm like, yeah, I'm confident and killing it doesn't mean I'm immune from all the negative bashing that everyone's minds give them. I'm just very intentional about deciding what I listen to and what I don't. So when my negative thought comes in to say, oh, wow, you should have really put some makeup on today. Um, immediately, I'm like, Thanks for your suggestion. But actually, I'm in the middle of changing someone's life here. So if you don't mind just like shutting up for a second while I do some really important work, I really appreciate that. I love how your side is so like diplomatic and kind. Because our inner critic can be such a bitch. It's always very catty. Like, mm, yeah. why are you on camera? <laughs> literally like oh look at the bags under your eyes like girl you need to clean up a bit like people aren't gonna book you as a coach if you don't look professional this we're our own worst we don't need anybody else to say it we just say it ourselves you know so i have to look at myself in the mirror every single day and say tiwa i love you because when i'm doing that i'm sending a message to the negative thoughts and to my subconscious that look you can say whatever you want. You do not have power over me. Because as soon as you give into the negative thoughts, it, they grow bigger and they start getting all this power over you. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to allow my negative thoughts to do that to me. And so every time it tells me I'm ugly, I hit it with a comeback. I'm like, okay, thank you. But I know I'm beautiful. So you can go back into your little corner and, and I'm going to keep on doing what I need to do. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Take a minute to like, subscribe, perhaps share the episode with someone that you think will be interested. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast, or you can follow my personal account, which is at Sharice.Kenyon. Feel free to slide into the DMs with any feedback or suggestions for future guests. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>